So who's starting? Uh, I'll start. You're going to start? Okay, you start. No, you do it. No. no. You question me. I'll start. You, okay. <laughs> What's it called? Catacomb? Yes. Catacomb. How about we? How about you introduce our podcast and we'll okay. introduce yours? Okay. Catacomb? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. friends and listeners you are here at the catacomb podcast my name is uh, jay newman i'm here with my good friend Preston sprinkle from theology nara and uh my wannabe pastor josh stump so thank you for joining this is going to be a wonderful episode of conversations about church, about God, about people, about the world, and everything else. So, Jay. <laughs> you know what? Already our podcast is a thousand times better. It is. <laughs> Maybe we should just keep that intro for every week. As soon as he started talking, the level of professionalism just... <laughs> but he's... Preston's got, like, what, a thousand of these under your belt? Would you do you have that many? Uh, I think I'm getting close to seven or eight hundred, maybe. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> this is number two for me, Josh. Man, well, we did a bunch before, we did, we yeah. did eight before, so we're almost to a dozen. And I make a podcast every Sunday when I'm preaching, I guess, technically. I just don't introduce it well. There's not a you don't you, you need no introduction, that's true, to your own church. That was very humble of me, <laughs> Preston. Thank you for being here, it's great to be here. In the catacomb studio. Thanks for inviting us to Theology in the Raw podcast. We're doing a, do we explain that? We're, this is both podcasts. Yeah. So why don't you introduce Theology in the Raw? Um, oh, I don't listen to enough of them. What? Um, <laughs> that is so insulting. Even I knew there was a podcast this morning when I walked in after so, he told me. So welcome to Theology in the Raw. Sprinkle hits every hot button issue in the church and makes everyone angry from left to right. <laughs> All right I like that. All right. Wow. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Staking yeah. out the middle ground. Yeah. I do have some fans, but <laughs> maybe that everybody was a little much, but yeah. It's you know, true. Sometimes just, it feels like everybody. Let me just say this because we do joke around too much when we're around. Um, a couple years ago at Audio Feed, Jay pulled one of his normal Jay things. It was like, one of my buddies, uh, I want you to meet my buddy, you know, which he's got literally thousands of friends. Of buddies. Of people. He knows people way more than I do, probably. He just, so anyways, I kind of was like in that place where I'm like, I don't really want to meet anyone, and especially if there's like a theologian, because... <laughs> I argue theology at times with Jay, and it's not enjoyable for me. I don't like it. So why would I want to meet his friend and have yet another argument? But I agreed to go. You remember we had barbecue yeah. at that oh, yeah, really yeah. horrible barbecue place. <laughs> it wasn't that good. No. Well, it was in Illinois, to yeah, be what fair. Do you, expect? you know, it's yeah. not the South, right? Yeah. So, and um, instantaneously, I realized that God must have put you in his life to, to fix him. And so, 
It was such a great honor to meet you that day. That was a fun. Sure. We had talked on stage. Yeah. Was, it, was that with Shay Clay, Shay Clay Ward? Was I that? I think that was right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a debate. That's yeah. right. It was called a debate. It was more of a dialogue. It was a panel. It, and I don't know why. Well, I got, I was afraid that it would be a debate. Yeah. And then I think we all was, pretty much yeah. agreed on oh, yeah. a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, there were some things Shane said that we kind of went, huh? Or yeah. I went, really? Yeah. But then when you read his books and get to know him, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, of course, yeah. that makes sense. Those are fun. Yeah, it's a fun conference. Yeah. yeah. Good discussion. Good times. What are we talking about today? Uh, we thought you would have something. <laughs> Let's talk about church. Okay. Yeah, what is church? So I've been doing this series on my podcast called What is Church? And uh, as as you guys both know, we were just talking about this. I've recently uh, co-planted. I don't like to term plant. I call it more of a church experiment because we, and I really mean that. Like it's not, everybody I know that plants a church, they they kind of, a, there's like a year prep going into it. There's, they're rewriting their vision statement. Like it's kind of comes in with this momentum of what this thing's supposed to be. And we actually kind of woke up when we were praying together with another family for a few Sundays. Then we just started inviting other people into it. And that was kind of like, and so we're kind of, it's kind of like fixing a, a flat tire on a rolling car. We're kind of like figuring, we're literally writing kind of our vision and values as we were meeting and breaking bread every week and more people and more people were coming. Um, so it really is kind of a church experiment. But then through that, we've been talking about like our different values and trying to shape who we are. And, and there is, I mean, I've been, me and my co-pastor uh, named Rock Brown. This is his real name, birth certificate Rock name. Brown. Rock Brown. And he is a stud. And uh, both of us, I mean, for, gosh, 10, 15, 20 years have been thinking about what is church? You know, what could it be? And and kind of in and out of different churches and, and thinking, man, what if we did it this way? What if we did that way? What if we can, you know, start with the, 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 the slate totally clean and just build it from the ground up? What would that look like? So we've had these thoughts for many years going into this. So. Uh, but now we're starting to see if it works on the ground. And, and the answer is, <laughs> we're not sure if it's going to I think it, it is and it isn't. And we're, you're con we're constantly kind of revisioning, re revisiting our kind of ideas of what it what it can and should be. So, but this is based on uh, what Francis Chan's yeah. doing in San Francisco. It is, yeah. So if, if uh, so the We Are Church model, it's called We Are Church in San Francisco. It's a, it's a, a network of, for lack of better terms, house churches um, and they've been doing it for about four or five years. And, um, we were, we were, we're loosely somehow, yeah, somehow, somehow connected, whether it's just, Oh, that's a model we like, we're going to, you know, kind of follow them or some sort of more official kind of relationship. We're not, we're not sure what that's going to look like, but I talk to people all over the place and it's like, Oh yeah, we're doing that too. Oh yeah. We're doing that too. Oh yeah. There, there's a, a lot of this stuff going on. That's kind of the hyper simple kind of unconventional, um, church for the de-church people that are love Jesus or faithful Jesus followers and literally haven't been to a church service in years. And they, they say, I just cannot, <laughs> for whatever reason, I just cannot even physiologically like go inside another church again. But then they're out like feeding the poor, loving Jesus, doing their devotions, like raising, discipling their kid. They're doing all the Christian well, things. What, what is it? So what, what is it that is different for people like their experiences or yeah. I, I can talk in just my context. I can't talk to everybody that's in that boat. But I mean, for us, we have several people that have been through some pretty serious church trauma, um, leadership stuff that right. blew up and they've been really hurt. They've been maybe personally involved in that. 
other people. Um, I'm just thinking of some people in particular where it's just like, just kind of the, I have some really thoughtful people that are just the kind of goofiness of youth groups and church and right. just never go deep, never talk, talk about anything that's like a substance or even controversial or just intelligent. And, you know, um, some people are like, I just, I just can't sing the songs anymore. Like I don't, yeah. <laughs> or I need to raise questions. I'm doubting God. I'm not, if I'm not allowed to struggle with doubt in church, then why am I even going to church? Or just, I think it really comes down to why are we going to this hour and a half on Sunday when I smile superficially at some people, I do this, but I, I'm not, there's nothing really contributing to my discipleship. Um, and so at the end of the day, they just kind of throw up their arms and say, I can do something more profitable to contribute to my discipleship. Like, hang out with my unsaved neighbor or, you know, um, I can always get, find a better, if it's all about just listening to a sermon, I, I can find a better sermon online. Like I, I don't need to leave my house. Well, it's about the fellowship and it's about the community and everything. But like for a lot of churches, the Sunday morning isn't, it's not really happening there anyway. It's like you go, you kind of absorb a really good service, you know, and, and you may have some kind of conversation. Again, this isn't everybody. I'm just saying what people have their experiences have been, but they're not really getting deep community on that hour and a half. So then they're like, what? So at the end of the day, if I really lay it out, why am I doing this? Because I, I'm told I have Can to. You, but do you have an answer for that? Because I mean, that's just, I think I ask that all the time. I've been in church my entire life. Um, Josh, the church that I attend that he pastors, uh, I've described it in many ways as a, as a misfit church. Yeah. You know, it's like the, what's the, What's the Christmas movie where they got the island of misfit toys or whatever? It feels like that. You're yeah. like you're all broken in some way. Yeah. They weren't used how they were intended to be used, and there's like this whole <clears throat> gathering of people who had just haven't had just have brokenness in some way or another. Mm-hmm. But then, oh, but we want to come together. But why are we doing this? Yeah. And I guess you know it's an ecclesiological question, yeah. and it's difficult to answer. But in our context, it seems the same. But how you're doing it. Uh, aesthetically, at least, looks very different than how we're doing it, really? but seem to be meeting the same problem. I well, you I, was just say to, I don't know if it is. I haven't seen your content. To be clear, you're yeah. usually the one saying, "Why are we doing this?" Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe I'm the only. Yeah, I just okay. So, in a little bit in in our story, I had an established church and was doing well. Was planning on moving to England to plant a mm. church. I handed my church off to my associate and. It was probably to date the most successful ministry thing that I've ever done. And um, then we ended up not getting immigration. I took a year off. Things went crazy. I had people that asked me to come back to plant a church for them. Mm. So I did it reluctantly. But then I was like, well, this is who I am. So I'm going to do it. We call that church the keel, which is a Gaelic word that means simple chapel. Because mm. everything you just said, I was like, that's that's the future of the church. Very simple, non-complex, doing yeah. life. And it was, for the most part, a pretty tough existence. Mm. It, um, it was awful. So <laughs> I actually... I actually came to the conclusion there's no such thing as a simple church. There's no such thing as... Mm. I mean, I don't want to attack you because you just haven't been there yet. But <laughs> simple, simple, simplistic church without the bells and whistles and the drama and the fake smiles and all that stuff. I don't, 
I don't know if, if it exists. I don't know if any version of church yeah. is easy. Not not that you're looking for easy. You're looking for different. I wouldn't equate easy with simple because I would agree with the easy. Right. No, not easy. Relationships are not easy. Relationships easy. are yeah. not. Oh, yeah. Anything that has a genuine relationship yeah. is bound to suffer. Yeah. And so, um, and, and I think for my whole life, I've always been the guy who was looking at what's next and what's different. I mean, even in Nashville, I was in the first like two or three churches that had rock bands and t-shirts and that's how old I am. So, <laughs> I mean, when we first started out just doing come as you are and we're playing loud music, there wasn't anybody else in the city doing that. I mean, that was cutting edge. I was the cutting what a 90s way of saying something. <laughs> the cutting edge. Is that a 90s thing? I think so. Edge. You are 90s. Well, I'm a 90s guy. I I'm love the 90s. 90s. How old are you? 43. I'm 42. Yeah, so. There you go. Okay. So, I've been doing I've been doing this yeah. a long time. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm gambling that pews and altars are going to be cool again. I don't know. I think they are. Because I'm, <clears throat> the church no. building we're renting, we're renting from Lutherans. And it is funny because since Christmas Eve, we moved into this new space from a gym in the Y, which used to be so trendy. <laughs> now, forget that. I want good acoustics. So <laughs> now we're renting from a Lutheran congregation that's very small and, and older. And we have like probably one of the most beautiful chapels in, in the city. That's I mean, gorgeous. It's yeah. a beautiful chapel and these people take very good care of it and there's so many altar furniture things and stuff that we barely can fit our music there. Mm -hmm. And when people first come into the church, they were like, oh my gosh, a pew and I can't pray for people. My chest hurts. Oh, I have anxiety. <laughs> like literally people had anxiety for being in there. Because they saw the pews? Like Just it, being in that space, it freaked them out. Like it, triggered, it triggered. Yeah. It triggered Hashtag. whatever. Air quotes, triggered. <laughs> And, um, you saw the woke jeans thing? The woke jeans? Oh, yeah, that was funny. I, I, the, yeah, that was pretty, I'm <laughs> That was so funny, yes. <laughs> I've seen it like 50 times. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say, except for the fact that... People um, are triggered by pews, you were saying. Yes. Which I hope you're embellishing a little bit. I, but I'm I really can, not. I literally got... No, no, this I've is seen, literally I've seen true the same thing. that I had phone calls and emails, me and our worship pastor, we both, in this first week we were there... People were so stressed out about the building. Now I can say mm -hmm. that that has diminished, mm -hmm. and and people are starting to feel comfortable being there. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm saying is I have tried everything, and I don't know that anything necessarily works. And so we mm -hmm. have to invite God to whatever the expression is that we're sure. doing. Yeah, yeah. Whether there's pews or in a barn. Yeah. Or in a bowling alley. Mm -hmm. We have to invite the Lord to that and and have a genuine experience of worship with him mm -hmm. and teaching and interaction. And then then we have to have that church expression go through the entire week as we're woven into each other's lives. And I will say that for our community, we're pretty woven mm -hmm. into each other's lives. So like by the time church rolls around, we've seen each other four times that week, mm. you know, and that makes a... I think that makes a big difference. And so I think we're achieving that aspect of it. 
So I want to make a couple qual. Can I give a couple qualifications? Sure. I've, yeah. I've done it on my podcast several times, but yeah, please. Just for this one. First of all, uh, when you do something that's different and kind of this, I don't like the term house church, but house churchy, it typically is seen as kind of a reaction against all these other models, or True. you don't think those models mm-hmm. are good. And and I've made this. I have to make this qualification every time I talk about this that I am not at all saying this is intrinsically the best model. I don't know what this model is. We're really exploring it. Nor do I think that uh, the sort of de-church type people that maybe like this model, that's not the, that's not the majority. I'm not saying people can't go to another model and really flourish in their faith at all. And I'm not, I've got tons of pastor friends that are doing amazing stuff in all different models, all the way to like the highly programized, whatever, you know, mega church type stuff. And, and, um, I've seen really amazing things come about through that. What I do know is there are some Christians who don't fit those other models. And I think it's, it's like what I think we're providing is a different kind of model for the people that aren't going to flourish in those other models. It's not an intrinsic attack on those models, nor, sure. nor is it, I really mean this, it's not an elevation of this model either. Cause I, I think for me that the, the huge things are, um, are you, are you in as a Christian? Are you engaged in authentic? And I'm, these are all gonna be kind of cliched buzzwords, maybe, but I'm just gonna say them anyway because I don't have an, an alternative. But are you engaged in authentic, uh, life giving, communal, challenging relationships with other believers? When I ask in many Christians that, if they say yes, and I say, oh, so is that like at church? They say, oh no, no. Like I go to church, and right. if if I'm if my marriage is on the rocks, nobody at church knows about it. You know, I'm like. Right. Then you're not doing church the way it should. Like, I think if, if I don't care about the model, really, I'm saying, because when you said they, you, people have seen each other probably four times before church, I can care less. You could say I pastor a mega church and it wouldn't even matter to me if that's happening, dude, and that that's, are the one another's happening? Are you in life giving relationship? Because discipleship cannot, it's impossible to be a disciple. It's incredibly difficult to be a disciple of Jesus by yourself. <laughs> like you need it's Christianity is designed to be interdependent upon other people and church has to be the place where that happens. I'll go impossible. Why not? It's impossible. Okay. You can't be a Christian <laughs> by yourself. That's the scholar in me. I never say hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think of this Eugene Peterson quote. Uh, oh, you follow Peterson daily on Twitter. No, it's but a good I follow, but it's, I, I don't I know do follow it, but not actually like look at it every day. I think it's just quotes from his books. So it's not original yeah. content, but there's one, he says, uh, Something like there's no, uh, mm, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but he basically says that all the things that are wrong with church. And then he says, but there's no other place to be a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. there's no other context, which you can be a Christian except for church. Right. Right. That's just how it works. And so the, our, I think our, uh, there's several values in our model um, and simplicity. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that makes it less messy or less easy at all. I'm saying that there's a lot of things in, for lack of better terms, a traditional church model that can be, that can um, attract a lot of our attention, energy, money as leaders or whatever um, that aren't really contributing to people's discipleship. Sure. Right. <clears throat> and that's, lot, and that, so that I'm saying let's strip, speak- strip away everything that's absorbing time, energy, money, talents, personnel, just just get rid of it unless it's directly affecting discipleship on some level. So that's all I mean by by simple. I think Gosh, there's so many things to say. About <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, it, it, there's all kinds of things that gets that are important that um, at some point that are contributing to use your terminology 
contributing to someone's discipleship and then give it a generation and it is actually in the way and can be yeah. stripped away. So whatever, I just think whatever model you come up with, it probably worked for our parents or our grandparents or whatever. But yeah. then what happens is it becomes um, engraved almost as a tradition. It's like, well, this works. Well, no, it did work. Like we're, we're not, the stripping away, like I, every time someone's a buddy of mine wants to go plant a church, this is probably more when I was younger, like in college or whatever. And it's like, well, what's your end game? What do you think is going to happen? I'm like, you think you're doing something different, but by the, by the end of that, your life, where that church is, if it lasts that long, it's going to look just like first Baptist, whatever, you know, <laughs> well, because yeah. that's just, you're solving Here, problems. Yeah. I think what you just said is a conversation that we were having in 2000. Okay. Okay. I was definitely having that conversation in 2000. I wouldn't say that it is even about tradition or the new th expression. It's changing weekly. Hmm. So the needs of the congregation change from week to week now. It's not like, well, we ran with this for 10 years and now it's, you know, now we try this new thing. Oh, we have t-shirts and we have music. We have band and uh, we're going to do communion up front instead of passing it out in plates. Like all of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. It, and the the needs of what people want out of church changes so quickly that it's you're almost reinventing yourself every week. So you have to find the things that are going to stabilize you that you build on. And for you, it sounds like discipleship. Mm -hmm. But even if a thing that you would cut this week because it causes expenses and headache, well. For somebody in that congregation, they're going to need that element. And then so you you cut it and then you realize that you've actually overlooked mm. something they need because people and, and here's why people come to church for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I have people, for example, that I will start a sermon and there are hundreds available, maybe thousands at this point. But I start every sermon with scripture and I read a section of scripture while well, I try to be contextual to that scripture, but I will speak whatever. And then there's always that group of people that go, man, I just wish you had more value for the Bible. It's like you made a point in the middle that this isn't the only place that's written in scripture. It's also written here, but you didn't give us the exact location of that. <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't make five point outlines either and have every single note that I can spill information to you because I'm, I preach more from a heart context of like, here's a passage that we need to look into. Now let's explore what's the spirit speaking to us in the context of today mm -hmm. where you're at the experience you had with your wife at breakfast. Like let's apply it there. So I realized that, and I'll have people come and say, good grief. That sermon was so amazing. It just really was connecting where I'm at. And then the next guy come and says, Man, I just need more. Mm -hmm. I need something different. That what you gave me was was nice, but it wasn't enough. And the worship deals with that. And the children's professors work with that. You have to call them professors now. They don't like childcare workers. That's an insult to their huh. to the thing. Is that a real thing? Oh, are you kidding me? I've never Listen, used the term before. Let me just say this, Preston. If you don't have a PhD, I'm not going to be a professor. We, <laughs> we miss we That's miss insulting. good. Well, I'm saying it, nowadays though, if you say our church has childcare. You've just offended people because it's not childcare. They're teaching scripture. They're teaching theology. Okay. So you can't say we have childcare available. That's an insult. See, here's why I said, when you walked in and you told me you're pastoring, mm -hmm. 
What did I say? I said, I haven't been praying for you when you were taking on the whole theological <laughs> world over hot button issues. But now that you're a pastor, I'm going to have to pray for you daily. So here, I guess, in pushback on this. So our, our church model is there's no no money goes into the ministry. It functions mm-hmm. at cost. There's no, nobody gets paid anything. No money gets, it all gets redistributed to physical needs in the body and and needs in the community, missional ventures, whatever. Um, we also have a model of, uh, we will never grow bigger in our gathering than what would fit in like a living room or whatever. Meaning so you add those both together and I have zero desire to grow numerically. So there's a tremendous amount of freedom in offending people. Like if somebody said, I wish your sermon, I was like, then this there might not be the place for you. And there's nothing. I don't have a salary that hangs on it. Like whether we dwindle down to eight people or grow to 80 people at three different living rooms or whatever, there's nothing that really, um, all those kind of nitpicky stuff that people do with church service and worship and child, you didn't say childcare, you did say childcare uh, to us. It just doesn't, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say there's, there's hundreds of churches uh, within five miles of here that, that have all that stuff. So this mm-hmm. might not be the place for you. Are you saying the only reason though is because like, there's a salary riding on it? Well, there's nothing like, I think there, there can't and push back. I, if, yeah, your your salary or uh, if there's if, if there's if there's some need, some subtle need for that person to stay at the congregation to meet their, I would say felt needs. I don't think being called a professor versus childcare is a real need. <laughs> I would say that's a felt need that's not really sure. whatever. Um, yeah, there's there's I think there always is in the back of your mind. Even people that say I'm not a church growth guy, I don't really care. No. I, um, reality is when, if, if they preach a sermon, half the people leave, including the big givers, their, their salary might be on the oh, fence. And this ab- may not be, this is probably different for you. Cause I know you guys have a different. Well, absolutely. I would say that those, yes, there's always the bigger an institution, the more opportunity for corruption. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm 110% on board with that. And I mean, I've done your model too. Yeah. I did your model for a couple of years and um, <laughs> I've gotten so many people say that they, they go, they yeah. pat me on the head say, and I'm yeah, not, insult- I'm not insulting you. I'm saying for me, for yeah. me, it didn't work. Right. It was, it didn't meet my needs either. Right. Okay. And, and I think also, um, and I'm not saying mine will work either. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm, but, but think about calling for a moment. I mean, you have, you, you're doing a lot of a lot of things in your life. It's not like you're just right. pastoring this group of people. Right, you, right. You're busy. Right. You're a busy guy. And you're making a, a, you have outlets as well to fulfill yeah. your call. Yes. And yes. so it may be yeah. that this model really works for where you're at in life and yeah. what God has asked you to do. Right. Does that yeah, make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and God equips people differently and, and then our personalities as well connect that we have the ability to do different things. And one of the things... I believe God has called me to do is to help very similar to what you were saying, help people that have been hurt by the institution sure. of the church and, and, and show that there's still value in the community mm. that we don't have to completely run away from it. You know, it's like I have had, and here's how I equate it. I love barbecue and I feel that barbecue and this will mm. offend some people, but I believe that barbecue is, is, has essential contribution to my life. Right. Mm, amen. It's going to have a contribution amen. to my life in about 45 minutes too. <laughs> but I've had barbecue that gave me diarrhea. 
I have. <laughs> that was not where I thought I, it was going to go. I have. I have eaten barbecue that made me sick. I've eaten pizza that's made me sick. I've had tacos that made me sick. But I didn't leave tacos, barbecue, or pizza. I like where you're going that's here. That's good. That's good. And, and what that's I'm saying good. is the church can hurt you and make you sick, but it doesn't mean the whole, that it uh -huh. should never be consumed yeah. again. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we, look, if we took, if we took people's excuse for why they've left community of the church, and I'm not saying the institution, but I'm saying they've left the community of the church, whether yeah. they're going to house church That's a good or whatever. If, if we took their excuses and applied it across the board, you know, it's like I ran out of gas taking my kids to school, so I got rid of my car. You know, my <laughs> boss, exactly. my boss was being a jerk, so I just quit, and now I don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. It's in any other part of life, it wouldn't make sense. Even in the fact that I still use the terminology of marriage, which I hate because marriage is is tough. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of rewards, but dude, you, you have to be just a little bit messed in the head to be, commit to marriage, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's hard, right? Yeah. You're married, right? Maybe hard for you, man. Mine's a cake log. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> marriage can be hard. Yeah. You know, it's like. Nowadays, I talk to young people that don't want to be inconvenienced by having children. And it's like, right. well, yeah. you don't have to pay for babysitters and you're going to be, you have all this free time on your hand, but you're missing the blessing that comes with having kids, yeah. you know? Um, you know, you don't get to see the joy on their face when you take them to an Essie's Burn concert like we did last night. <laughs> I took my son for the, his first all-age shows and he was so happy That's and he loved so it. Awesome. And you miss this stuff. And so anyways, I'm saying, what is it about the church that is so expendable that when we have a bad experience, we yeah. can we can justifiably say that I'm not going to ever do this again? I, I, yeah, I think, um, I think there's people that have, I, I think it's a whole spectrum of people that, you know what, church isn't a problem, you're the problem. Like you're, you're too narcissistic and too self-centered and, and haven't actually tried to pour into anybody or whatever. And you blame everything on everybody else. And there's absolutely people on that spectrum all the way to legitimate, like spiritual trauma or, yeah. or just being, you know, um, really, I mean, emotionally and phys not, maybe physically, but I mean, like really maybe spiritually abused by power dynamics. I mean, some of the stories I hear from people, it's like, oh my word, I'm surprised you're still a Christian. You oh, know? I totally um, agree. But I think yes. uh, it, it, most of the time when they have, uh, let's just say somewhere in the middle, some kind of mild spiritual trauma, they probably played some role in that and probably the church or whatever. Maybe just this hyper jadedness by going to church for 20 years and at the end of the day, waking up and say, none of this is really meaningful anymore. I was trying to make it work, you know? Um, uh, so, so yeah, I think it's a whole spectrum and I think people need to be kind of called out if, if, if they're coming at it from a real narcissistic place or whatever, you know, they, they need to be rebuked for it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think we all, and I, I think we're all would agree. I mean, we, we all need some spiritual community and the model is really secondary. Some models just aren't really conducive for some people. It's conducive for other people. And all I know is there are, um, I think I would say I would say this to to our defense. I think there is a need for more, not exclusively, but more models like like this, because I think there's a lot of people that for whatever reason, they just need something really stripped down and really 
really simple. And Would you say more models like that in particular, or yeah. just or ish, all I different mean, ki- all different kinds of models? Well, I think like we have more a, diversity of we, models. I think we have a glut of models that are increasingly not reaching people in discipleship. But right. this is this is a result of the, the well, book. I, this is Josh's whole thing on consumer Christianity. Yeah. It's a common rant he gets on is that people shop for church like they shop for blue jeans or whatever. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. It's well, all the, about what you get and not investing sure. in a community. Right. The core of the consumer is what am I getting out yeah. of going? Right. right. And it's like. But part of that's the model that feeds that, though. Yeah, right. True, no, I mean, true. absolutely. I've just. It's a it's a dial. It's a back and forth that kind of feeds back. And, and then we have that mindset when we go to people's ask, how is the Dodger game? Good. How was church? Good. And it really is almost the same answer, the same type of thing. Yeah. The worship was good. It, it, you know, I had a good experience. The teaching was clear. It impacted my life. But it still is this kind of transactional professionalism yeah. that have you ever you've been around more than i have you know more people i think than i do have you been to a big church where people are being made disciples and are growing in their yeah yeah again i've got friends that are mega church pastors and they're honestly doing i think the best they can and people are flourishing in their faith you know i still would say there's probably a decent number of people attending the service that are not being discipled or not whatever. And like, we have a small group program and all this. And, and yeah, that's a great, that's a great you, did step. Did you say, um, and I'm, I love you. I'm not arguing with you. I just, <laughs> you can I, love me and argue with me. He does it all the time. <laughs> you said in your congregation, at least I thought this was said earlier, that you have a couple of people that keep it real surface. No, not, not in our church. Oh, not no. in your church. No, 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 okay, no, sorry. no. Oh, no, no, no. I guess what I'm saying, I guess, I mean, I, yeah, I guess where I, what I've come to and I, and, and, and this is shocking that I'm saying this. Okay. So I'm just not, <laughs> if you, if you, you've known me for a little bit, but yeah. this is really shocking for me to come to this conclusion, whether you have a house church model like yours yeah, or your church is, I mean, I, I had a guy last night who went on a 20 minute rant on why God is such a jerk. That'd be the best way to edit it. And he's my friend and I love him. And he would rant for like two minutes and then turn to me and say, sorry, Josh, I'm not talking about you. And then he would rant about the church and say, I'm not talking about your church. And then he would rant about God. Mm. And he'd say, I'm not talking about. And then eventually he says, he said, um, he was, he told another guy, yeah, Josh is my pastor. So I'm like, (laughs) dude, I'm not your pastor. Like we, you don't come to church and We won't, we usually don't even have exchanges back and forth because yeah. he just rants and then goes out the door. Like, yeah. so I asked him to break that down yeah. and he's breaking down like, well, the reflection of God that I get or the challenges to be a disciple are in this cigar shop and they're with you. So I'm like, okay, in that context, I'll be your pastor. Okay. And so church can literally in our culture be translated from that interaction yeah up to like a mega church and the common thread between all of them is you have disingenuous disengaged people who don't want to be discipled and leaders that don't care about discipleship. And I, I, you know, I've had friends that left the church to do the house group thing for authentic discipleship Mm -hmm. and they came back to church because they said, literally all we do is talk about our jobs, our kids and we eat food and we leave. It's like, (laughs) 
you know, they deconstructed yeah. to the point where there's no, yeah. no conversation about Hashtag faith. deconstruct. So I think what, so I'm, let me, so I don't think that the model, even this model can guarantee discipleship at all. Oh yeah. Most, this is why I don't, I don't know if any model guarantees. That's no. what I'm you know, saying. I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying the model. You can, have a, you can have a house church that's incredibly cultish, superficial, powered. You can have all the same problems. And, oh, yeah. and, you oh, yeah. well, and there's another factor. I, I think some are typically more conducive. I mean, if you have a house church of 30 people, it is going to be more conducive for authentic relationships. It's not going to guarantee it. But rather than a mega church, you show up at 10,000 people. Of course, the living room with 30 people, there's going to be more opportunity and like well, And mega churches make them smaller. Um, like they have to break things down right. for different events. That's the way that they work. They don't just have one service with several thousand people right. with nothing else going on. Right. Yeah. Every so mega church, most mega churches are going to have to break like, it down. You have to make it small to some degree. Yeah. And, but then I would, you know, on the, I would challenge every mega church. Yeah. You got to make it small somehow, but I would challenge every small church. You got to make it big somehow. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you can't stay. Totally. There has to be a continuity between, you know, the small group and the large group, the, right. Uh, small discipleship, whether that's one-on-one or a few people, to corporate right. gatherings. Well, that's know? why I love the We Are Church model. And I'm, I'm not that we're like, you know, 100%, like this is perfect, whatever. And they wouldn't say there's perfect. But, you know, it's a network of home communities to where once a month they all gather together. Big yeah. gathering, worship serve, all the yeah. all the stuff that, you know, good 40-minute like sermon, 50-minute sermon, so that you realize that you're part of something that's bigger than your living room, you sure. know. But the but the primary rhythm of the gatherings is in the small group because they believe that the primary thing that should be happening when you're gathering is one on one community breaking bread, looking each other in the face, and you right, know, um, which I like. I, so they basically just kind of inver- they kind of inverted the whole system. Which- yeah, I love that. I was just sitting here thinking, like, so our church compared to yours would be considered like bigger and traditional or mm-hmm. but I like I literally traditional is not a word I know you don't have to tell me um, or traditional I make up words all the time I do too I love it such freedom in the English language so but you know I had I had a, a friend really recently say hey when I left your church over a year ago I I, I want you to understand it isn't because I don't like you and I'm like oh I my emotions went away a long time ago. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like cooks. You know, a lot of good cooks, they don't have any feeling in the end of their t- fingertips. I don't know if you know this because huh. they've burned the huh. fingertips so many times that now they can actually touch hot stuff without it hurting them. And that's the way my heart is, Preston. <laughs> <laughs> Just a calloused heart. Anyways. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm from... I, I like, not from my church experience, but from like just the stuff I do. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, and this is what the purpose of our podcast has been and what our dream is, is that the, the truth is Jay and myself, we are, we are jaded and we struggle to feel mm-hmm. all the time because it's hard. Life's hard. And so we're, the podcast in a way is forcing us to bring something encouraging to our world. But anyways, my friend, he said this, he said, the reason I left your church is simply this. I'm not emotionally ready to have the level of intimacy and vulnerability mm. that you have in your church. Mm. So that's a great compliment <laughs> yeah and so i'm like okay i mean that's cool I, I, that thank you like it's interesting though because i'm wondering is this really about model is it really about structure is it mm-hmm. really about size or is it about like what is your intention when you gather as a church 
What are, what are the things you're you're hoping and wanting to accomplish? And people just want different things. So I guess for me, some of my opinion today has come from a place of I've given up. Like I've tr- mm-hmm. I've been looking for a solution for so long that I've given up and I'm just going to go after God or wherever it is and whatever kind of financial and program programs and whatever comes we have to deal with it, then we'll just deal with it. And, um, I guess maybe when I sat down and you guys wanted to talk about church, I was like, Hmm, that does not sound fun to me. Oh. <laughs> we can change the subject. What should we talk about? No, it's good. I mean, Let's it's really great. Let's talk about the rapture. <laughs> one, one thing I think we haven't mentioned that, uh, and this would be maybe not worth more than just a mention, but some, I think, and not just the three of us, when I say we, I mean like anybody who talks about this and cares about how we do church. We may uh, give too much power to the model or the method. Sure. And yeah. really, when when I think about and I, and I told this to someone in a conversation, um, almost legitimizing, I was saying this to in my mind legitimizes church. For two thousand years, with the most sordid history you can come up with, mm-hmm. of Christians acting in the world doing church, and it's still here. It's almost as if there's some invisible force sustaining it despite its attempts to destroy itself. And so that the reason the church exists is because there's this Holy spirit that is present, that is binding the parts together in ways that they are trying to pull apart. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, there's, there's a spiritual warfare aspect to, I think how we do church or whatever. I know every day of my life, I have not, or every Sunday, I should clarify, every Sunday of my life, I have not wanted to go to church. Like there is a, a an opposition to it. Mm. And the only thing I can compare it to is going to the gym. There's that sense of dread, like, mm. oh my gosh, I got to do this again. But you know how good you feel after you've good, gotten a good workout in. And so you go because you have the memories or you have the hope of future fitness or whatever, um, that you may not see immediate results, but you know it's that long term. And church is like that for me. It's like there the fact, almost the fact that I feel opposition makes me go. Because if there's something that doesn't want me to go, I need to go. I, I have the same, I've had the same experience for many years in many different contexts. Yet, but I didn't have the... I didn't have the positive outcome on the back end saying, oh, I'm glad I went. Usually I come home exhausted, <laughs> tired, right. and like, why do we do that again? Right. <laughs> and, and now I have kids asking us, why do we do that again? Like what? Well, the, my answer is because the the devil doesn't want you to. I, and sometimes that is, for myself, <laughs> that's the best answer I have for myself as a grown man. I told my kids Jesus didn't want us to. <laughs> 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 no, to but check this out. So, yeah. so in our, um, a few years ago, we actually took a, break from attending church and we actually did many different things on Sunday morning. Uh, we went and well, we, we'd visit like a, a church of refugees. It was in three different languages. Right. Went to, uh, um, we had a barbecue or a breakfast or whatever with all our neighbors and just said, Hey, come over and hang out and just get to know you guys. And, um, we spent a few weeks bringing it was in Boise. It could get really cold in the wintertime. And we, there used to be a homeless community before the cops broke it all up, but like a little tent city, we went and bring, brought a big vat of hot chocolate just don't, it's not like that's going to whatever, but like, it's, it was just a gesture of like, you know, and we brought the whipped cream and then made it really nice, big cups, you know, and get passed out hot chocolate, huddled around the fire and just talk to the homeless community. 
and our kids, I remember said that was, that was the first time that they really felt like they experienced Christianity and Jesus on a Sunday morning. Hmm. And like, yeah, that's and, and I, I don't know that, that really yeah. kind of threw me for a loop. Cause part of me is like, how do I argue against that? They're like, do you think Jesus would be here on Sunday morning? And I, I didn't know how to answer that. Cause I didn't want to say yes. Cause he hates the church. It would be like, I couldn't say no, like, no, no. And he would be, and literally the, the homeless community was like under the freeway where we, we, we for many Sundays we'd drive over to go to church, have, Superficial oh. conversations, hear a message, just kind of the typical hipster, you know, whatever. How and music that I don't like. And not, nothing's really that meaningful. I try to talk to people and they kind of go the other way and go home and like, why do we do that again? And then when, when we started to take the exit under the overpass and meet with the homeless community, my kids are saying, this feels like Christianity much more than what we've been doing. I feel like you're like talking like an idea of your next book. You're like, take the exit. <laughs> Take this, the offering. This is my book. Go. Take this the is, this is, oh, that is. So this was in the process of writing my book on this, which kind of crystallized some stuff lead, leading to what I'm doing do Available now. on Amazon.com. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Josh, um, you've mentioned Josh. In, in, yeah. You mentioned all my friends. You never mentioned me so in I, that book. I don't know if my audience knows. So a lot of people. Wait, who, I got who, mentioned in a book? In his book. Come on, man. You write books? <laughs> <laughs> it's a color book, man. Yeah, the, anyway. the Abbey is a, yeah. Yeah, he talks about those, oh, that's those smoke shop. So I don't know. My yeah, audience might not right. know that I'm hanging with the people that I talk about and go, the smoke shop where the, the uh, at that time you were kind of, Full-time smoke shop owner and yep. part-time pastor. Is yep. that now it's which... kind of flipped? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm now I'm full-time back at church because I don't know what my problem is. You gave up smoking or what? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, I have not. Um, Josh, concluding. I will thought. say this: yeah. I I agree that Jesus wouldn't be in church. That's why the local church, East Nashville, four thirty um, on Sundays. Is it called the local church? It's called the that's, local that's church. That's the name of it. TLC, man. It started out as a joke because I freaking hate every kind of thing that's been used. And I and in my new ideas are... I mean, I had a church name. We don't have a name kill. for our church yet. We're trying to figure out what well, we're going to call it. How do you... You got to get a website. So you have to we have a have, name to have we, a website. We will never you can call it The Barn. The barn that church. just sounds like the Jesus. shack. It could bring up some... No, no, no. You're know, thinking about it the wrong way. The Barn. Jesus started here. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> what about the catacomb? Can, it, can I jack your title? I do, uh, when you guys mention your podcast, sure, title, I don't we'll, care. We'll, we'll ask our lawyers. And we'll see how catacomb. we can figure that out. No. Okay, so um, wrap us up, Josh. Okay, here's a wrapper. So we live, like I said, we're renting from the Lutherans, mm-hmm. and we have there's a Brundy speaking church. They're African, but I'm not very Burundi. Global. Burundi. Bur- Burundi. Burundi. Yeah. Church that meets in in the fellowship hall mm-hmm. Sunday. Well, they meet like Saturday afternoons for three hours and yeah, Sunday yeah. afternoons for three hours. <laughs> so when we're setting up stairs, they're still going. And there's, I cannot understand anything they're saying, but you can tell that they are loving each other and loving the Lord and going crazy. And I guess I don't understand their model at all because I don't want to be in church six hours a week. Okay. So the model doesn't make sense, but they're getting something out of it that is inspiring to me, even though I can't understand mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful expression. So if you could sum up, and I think you maybe mm-hmm. started to tell us these things, regardless of the model, yeah. what should people be looking for in church? I, I would, I would, I think it does come down to discipleship and, and community. I think again, something that has been very much lost on American Christianity because we're incredibly consumeristic independent, right? 
Um, and yet Christianity is in- incredibly non-consumeristic and interdependent. So I think given our cultural context, we have to work so extra hard to buck against our natural propensity and the cultural norm of getting into life giving and life sucking and challenging and, and joyful and messy and complicated discipling relationships with one another. But if you're in, in church, you go to church, you're at church, you're a member of a church and you're not practicing the 52 one another's, I don't think you're doing church the way it's intended to be. So That's yeah, good. mega church, house church, barn doesn't matter to me. It's, it's, is your rhythm of church, not just your Sunday gathering, but your rhythm of church forcing you to engage in those discipling relationships as a, as a receiver, giver, taker, whatever, you know, where you're helping others, you're receiving, you're, um, engaging in that. So, um, and, and again, I just go back, like most Christians I talk to, this is anecdotal, but most Christians I talk to say, I'm nowhere near that at my church, my rhythm of church. Yeah. I hear great messages, great messages, love the worship. (laughs) Most of the time, uh, the pastor's not preaching this week, so I'm not going to go, you know? (laughs) Um, but, but if your marriage is on the rocks, do you show up at your church gathering and say, my marriage is on the rocks, need help, need prayer. They say, well, what are you crazy? Like, no, no, I can never do that. Then I'm like, I don't think you're doing church the way God's intended. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. You hear the, uh, the outro music. Oh yeah. The <laughs> there it goes. It's really interesting because we have different outro music than you. I wonder if you're hearing yours and we're hearing ours. I'm not hearing anything. Is it coming into this side? Cause I'm, I'm deaf in my I'm, left <laughs> I'm joking, man. We're gonna add that later. <laughs> hey, um, if I were if I lived in Boise, I want you to know I'd be at your church. Okay? There you go. That's right. This sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, good times. It was. It was good. It went quick. Yeah, good stuff, man. Thanks for flying all the way to Nashville just to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you pay me well, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I had to buy my own cigars, man. <laughs> it was only because I wasn't there yet. I would have given you some. Uh, well, thank you, guys. Uh, All right, you've been listening to Catacomb and Theology in the Raw in a once-in-a-lifetime joint podcast. Join us next time on the show in separate locations. Goodbye. I'm so proud. You are really so good. You are really so good at this.